Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Pixar Sciatica Podcast. Aging is a normal process of life. And a lot of the clients that I work with think about how aging actually can play and have a role in the injuries that they incur. And the way I see it is that aging is just a normal process. The injuries that come about is also kind of a normal process of our life, but there should be different approaches we take with every decade in life in regards to our injury and recovery management, as well as our exercise. And today's guest is a very special guest. I've been following for the past couple of months and have been a huge fan of her content, uh, is Deborah Moore of a Stronger Movement. And she was kind enough to be a guest and share her knowledge about what it's like in regards to training and injury and recovery as we age. So Deborah, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I remember uh, thinking about reaching out to you and I was uh, a little nervous. I was thinking, you know, with someone as big as you, would you even be interested in being on an episode? Um, and I was so glad that you were able to, to say yes. And so um, for the listeners who might not have, uh, say, an active social media, um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and the journey that brought you to where you're at today. Uh, well, I'm 53. That's the first thing to put out there. So um, all of you over 35s or over 40s out there, I, I feel you. I know what you've been through or are going through. Um, so I, I have actually been fairly active my whole life, um, but as an endurance athlete. Um, so I've had my fair share of experience with uh, endurance and injuries and, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but in my late 40s, I decided, well, 49 to be exact, um, I was kind of bored and decided to try this thing that I'd heard about called CrossFit. Um, and so let me just say, I had never really done any strength training before ever. A lot of endurance athletes in my generation uh, just didn't do that sort of stuff. So uh, it was very intimidating. Um, I didn't see a lot of women in my sphere, uh, and, and I'm not talking about the elite CrossFit women uh, who are amazing. Um, I'm talking about a 50-something kind of weekend warrior, but who's wants to be competitive. I didn't see a lot out there on social media. So um, I started posting my workouts, the things that I just did every day uh, on Instagram and um, just tried to make it look like, you know, an everyday fun event. Um, it, I, I love this stuff um, and I wanted other women, especially, I'm, I'm quite sort of female focused, although I do have a lot of, uh, you know, male followers in the CrossFit sphere and the, the, you know, lifting area follow me as well. Um, but that, that was the goal was just to show women of my generation what actually can be done in your 40s and your 50s. Things things aren't over when you hit 40. 
So that that's basically why I got onto Instagram. I love that. I I'll share with you. I was an endurance athlete myself, not an Ironman uh, triathlete, um, but I was a, a distance swimmer out in university, and so okay. I had the opportunity to spend six hours a day training, <laughs> six hours a day of swimming. Um, and, uh, yeah, very, my, my path to CrossFit was very similar to yours. Um, just at a different stage in my life where I was like, okay, I've done so much endurance stuff, but now let me transition into the more higher intensity weightlifting aspect. And, you know, you throw me in a pool, I can swim for two to three hours. No problem. Well, that was back in the day. Now I can't even mentally handle it, but I do really appreciate, um, you know, all the work that it takes to be to do Ironmans and all those endurance runs. I think one of the things that really stuck out in your, I guess your, your story is this concept of making it fun, um, like a fun daily event. Right. And I think that for myself, once I retired from competitive athletics, I knew that I needed to exercise, but it went from, I had to train to compete. Right. right. Now I was like, why am I doing this? I was like, I know I needed to be healthy, but I look back in regards to how do I stick with the program? And ultimately I had a fun time. And I'm also at this point in my life where I want to have fun and play when I'm doing these activities, which is one of the reasons why I'm sticking with it. And so I appreciate that you shared the concept of fun. Right. But, but I do think that you can still be competitive and have fun. And I think that's something a lot of um, certainly my generation don't understand you, it doesn't have, you know, being competitive doesn't mean you have to actually go beat the person next to you. I, I just go out there to beat myself. You know, I, if I see a woman who's a few feet ahead of me, I just did a high rocks race on the weekend in Chicago. If I see a woman who I think is my age group a few feet ahead of me, am I going to try and overtake her? Sure. But I'm out there to beat myself. And that's where the competitive spirit comes in. Um, but it's still fun. Yeah, it's fun things that will actually like bring a smile to your face um that's you know it's it's uh you know as we age we realize that life is too short to do the things that you don't like doing right and so to be able to focus on things that bring a smile to your face and are so much fun and so let's talk about this concept of aging right and so when it comes to transitioning from various different decades of life um i think when i was owning a gym a couple years ago i wrote an article uh, pretty much saying how I realized that I was no longer in my 20s. And the, the big statement of that was I realized I was no longer in my 20s was because I had like a five-day hangover after four drinks or cocktails. And I realized, oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> drink. Not like that was a lot of tequila, but I said, okay, I need to wind this down. And so um, with, with your experience, I know that you work with mostly adults in their 40s and 50s. Let's talk about the transition from the, the, 30, 30, the third decade to the fourth decade. Um, what were some of the things that you learned um, just from like how you felt while being like those things um, during that transition? Yeah, so the end of my 30s into my 40s, I had already stopped doing Ironman. Um, I did my last Ironman aged 35, I think it was. Um, And I actually um, got pregnant with my eldest, uh, who is now 17. So it was a a huge transition in all sorts of ways. So um, in terms of uh, physical endeavors, so I, I did continue doing some half Ironmans after that. But I realized that this phase of my life was now parenting and career focused. And I think that's the case for a lot of people, you know, in your mid 30s, late 30s, you're kind of getting to the peak 
or, or where you should be developing the peak of your career, uh, the peak of your parenting years kind of happen around there if you do, if you are a parent. Um, maybe your parents are getting older and you have to start thinking about those guys. Um, so for me, it just, it, it signaled a lot of, um, there was a lot of tiredness. And honestly, I don't know if it was related to age or just circumstance, but I had to start thinking about adapting what I did um, in, in terms of my physical activity. You know, to your point, you realize that you're not recovering as quickly. That's when I first noticed I wasn't recovering, bouncing back from certain workouts. I would still be bike, swimming, biking and running, um, but I wasn't bouncing back the same way. Uh, you know, I couldn't train six days a week. I had to take that second day off in the week. Um, I had to do the stretching and mobility. The, the, that's when I noticed if I didn't do that, then for two days of workouts, I was struggling to you know, hit range of motion, or I, I just couldn't, you know, go as fast, my legs just wouldn't turn over the same way. So definitely, at the end of my 30s was when I started to notice those changes, uh, not at the end of my 20s, that was fine. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the patient advocate program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the patient advocate program, we're focused on your recovery and we're offering you 24 seven access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top-notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait? Take control of your health today and visit pttpatientadvocate.com and book your free call with our experts. Yeah, it's um I think that there was uh, a couple studies that were talking about like peak muscle development and peak like even just like physical performance kind of reaches we'll say like the it's like 25 to like 31 32 and then it kind of starts to plateau a little bit and starts to decline slightly. Um I love the fact that you said when you're having that transition it's we're it's not even a battle. It's just things like factors that we have to take into account are, are our life circumstances, like our mm -hmm. life responsibilities, right? You have parenting, you have careers. Um, and then also like the changes in physiology and how you learn that it is important to focus on your mobility, focusing on your warmups. Um, listeners, I'm going to be honest with you all. I actually hate warming up, but it wasn't until <laughs> recently that I started working out in the morning. And originally I would start off with just maybe a five minute walk on the treadmill just to kind of just like shake my legs off a little bit. But then I started following like an actual structured program where I actually had program warmups in there. And I would go through grunt with my warmups, but then realizing as I'm about to do my lifts or do my workouts, I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually feel so much better. And right? yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, and I remember back in my twenties, um, back in my twenties, like when I did CrossFit, it, well, I was coaching at the time. So I was like on my feet the whole time. So I didn't need to mobilize as much, but I remember in my twenties, it would be like, okay, we're going to be doing heavy deadlifts. It's like, great. I'm going to do three more sets. I'm going to hit my heavy set. Now I'm thinking, all right, let me go ahead and spend the next 45 minutes working up just to my working sets. Right. <laughs> and then, um, but I, but I have to say that it, I mean, not only did, did, did my numbers continue to climb? But I also just felt a lot better post-workout as well. Which, right. Which, and you still got there. You still got to yeah. the working sets, right? It, it does take a bit longer. And I yeah. think, you know, 
everybody, I don't know a single person who loves mobility other than people who do yoga. So yeah. you just have to do it. Yeah. I, I like to think about it as like more, more of a means to it. And I know how good I feel when I do it. So I'm like, great, this is, these are going to be the biggest uh, focuses that I'm going to uh, be addressing. And I also love the fact that you said that you realized that you couldn't do six day training weeks anymore. Um, you had to add in that fifth day of rest. And I remember uh, when I was a college athlete, I would literally train, it would be double sessions, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then single session on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And then when I transitioned to CrossFit, like competitive CrossFit, we even trained five days a week. So having that extra day, I said, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Um, yes. I'm like, I'm feeling not as beaten up. And I think that's very important, especially from like an injury prevention, but also from recovery. Um, I've noticed that even as I transition towards the second half of my thirties, I'm thinking, okay, recovery is very important. And what's interestingly enough, it's like the better I recover, the better I can perform, the stronger I feel. So and that's I think, right. Yeah. And we live in it. And I think, um, cause you're up in Canada, um, I know out here in American society, it's always that grind, 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 push, push. If I'm resting, I'm not making those changes. I just need to keep pushing. And um, yeah, this evolution um, with with what you've noticed too is is huge. It, it is, although I still think there's there's a bit of a problem. I mean, uh, US and Canada or any of the Western societies, it really is a lot about more is better. People always think more is better. More of a good thing is always better. Not necessarily, right? Um, my, my triathlon coach used to warn me about junk miles. You know, I used to go out there and on my active recovery day, I would go for a run. And I'm only doing 10K. And he's like, 10K of what though? Uh, do you feel good? Are you hitting decent pace times? You know, it, it's not, more is not necessarily better. So that's the number one thing that I started thinking about in my late 30s. Uh, and as I went into my 40s is, you know, it's quality over quantity for sure. That makes perfect sense. And so, you know, you learned a lot during that transition um, out of those lessons and what you experienced, like what was the, I think this is a really interesting question, but like what surprised you the most um, during that transition? Um, it, well, what surprised me the most was, you know, you hear, especially as a woman, because, uh, you know, you hit your, you're getting to your 40s, uh, women are starting to head towards perimenopause and you hear all the horror stories, just like you did if you were pregnant, it's terrible and just you wait and it's going to be, it's all downhill from here when you hit 40, apparently. Um, the thing that surprised me the most was it's actually not all downhill. You know, mindset is a huge, plays a huge part in how your body performs. Um, sure, things get a little more tired. Things are a little more sore. Um, you know, you don't maybe move as easily as you used to when you're 20. But I was just fine in my early 40s. I was still out there running and swimming and biking. I started doing um, boot camp stuff. I was, I was actually, we were living in Singapore at the time uh, for my husband's job. Uh, and there was this fantastic outdoor boot camp. Um, I, I was still working it and that shocked me. I thought, well, I thought it was supposed to all be over and I was supposed to be deteriorating at this point. Um, but I didn't notice any of that. In fact, I was getting better in many things because I had switched it up and because I was doing um, a lot more mobility work, I was taking that extra day off, I was actually performing better. So that was actually the biggest surprise. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think 
like with the evolution of social media, the advancements that the world has come across in regards to understanding the concept of wellness um, and how that actually improves. Because, I mean, I think about, we'll say even 50 years ago, like the level of, say, athletics or like physical activities that were accessible to people, it was a fraction 50 years ago compared to what it was today. And even like to say, even from a supplemental standpoint as well, um, there's so, and then um, that and also just the knowledge about the different foods that we put in our bodies. Right. Uh, really, um, we have a lot of really great information that allows us and empowers us to actually, uh, in a way, age gracefully and ensure that it, it isn't all downhill. So I really appreciate um, that in itself. It's very, very cool. Um, so let, and then so let's talk about the so we talked about the transition from 30 to 40s. Right. And mm-hmm. so. Uh, let's talk about the, the the next transition from the 40s and 50s, right? Transitioning into that. Tell us a little bit more about um, some of the things that you, you've experienced or learned with this transition. Yeah. So similarly, I would say my mindset, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm any different to other people who stay in some sort of physical activity into their 50s, 60s and beyond. But I think my mindset had the same sort of uh, play on how I approached life in that I wasn't ready to give up yet. I wasn't ready to settle. People still told me that it was, you know, oh, just you wait till your 50s, you know, much like they said when I was reaching my 40s, just you wait till your 50s, wait till menopause hits. And it's it's terrible. It's awful. It's like the worst thing I've ever experienced. And I thought, well, hang on, I've I've done five Ironman races, which is pretty brutal. Um, I have been pregnant with and birthed three children i've lost a parent i i've kind of done some pretty awful things i mean i haven't had the worst life in the world but um i've done hard things how bad can it be so that's the attitude i went in with when i realized i was turning 50 and we were uh were we in the middle of the pandemic at that point yes we were we're in the middle of the pandemic um i have actually younger children despite my age um my two youngest are 10 year old twins so i was homeschooling grade one twins and i just think that that transition period was just much the same because i have done hard things maybe as an athlete i've learned how to pace uh and see you know the next kind of 10 meters versus wait looking for you know when i hit the finish line because in ironman you never do that you and in crossfit even if it's just a six minute amrap right you don't look at the end you just look at the next rep just get through the next rep and you know and then see what happens so that was the approach that i had so i i actually found the transition um emotionally and mentally reasonably easy um physically there have been some challenging moments um my sleep which was never great to start with got worse and that makes recovery quite difficult um you know i do have joint pain i i had the knees aren't you know aren't always cooperating my wrists aren't great but i like to tell myself it's because i'm lifting heavy you know i'm doing 140 pound squat cleans of course my knees are not going to feel great um you know i'm i'm doing front squats with my wrists like this so i i you know i just the way i approach i approached it was much like i approach most challenges what is actually happening what is the information that i have here and how can i use that information 
and what can I do about it? Who can I ask about it? Who can I get to help me with this? Um, what can I try? I'm, I'm, my, I'm my own guinea pig. I try different things out on myself and then recommend them to clients, you know, if, if I feel that it works. That's great. Yeah, I think there are a couple of really powerful pieces um, from what you just said. And I think, you know, as we're describing, say, each decade in life, um, we're kind of talking about various different, we'll say decade, but we can also say just chapters, right? And mm -hmm. it's it's always really interesting. And I get this conversation a lot when people say like, well, well don't you miss, say, your, your college days and college swimming? And the reality is I'm very appreciative of college swimming. I'm, it's one of the reasons why I have the work ethic that I have today. Do I wish that I was trading that much? <laughs> no, absolutely not, right? Um, do I miss, actually, even looking at like back in college, like do I miss the parties that I did back in college? And the reality is like at this point in my life, like I recognize that it was fun, but going out and doing stuff like that is no longer interesting to me. And so I right. appreciate being able to say like, okay, chapter, this is a chapter. And the, the last thing you said was like taking a step back and kind of looking at the scenario, right? Like what is happening? What's the information that I have? Like what, what can I do about it? Which I think it allows for us to actually put the power back into our own Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just going to throw in um, a, a quote from my favorite, one of my favorite shows, Ted Lasso, um, which I'm sure everybody kind of knows, but it, I love it. He said something like, don't be judgmental. I use the word fearful. Don't be fearful. Be curious. It takes away all the power of the problem and puts it back in your court. So that, that's brilliant. I like what you said. I love that. And listeners, you know, if you if you've been listening to this podcast, um, we've talked about how even how we actually uh, view or recognize our pain can actually influence the intensity. So if we're looking at saying, okay, I have joint pain, but I I have joint pain or I'm having sciatica pain because I did this, it allows us to be more detectives, allows us to be able to problem solve as compared to oh my gosh, I have this pain. Why is this all happening to me? It then relinquishes us of our power and it makes it even more challenging and also makes the pain even more intense. And so- And, how and it also, it, it give, makes people feel hopeless. When you take the power away from yourself, you feel hopeless. Oh, it's never going to resolve itself. I mean, sciatica is a serious, you know, that, that's not a laughing matter. But if people think, oh my God, I can't do anything about this, then there, it, there's hope. There's no hope there, right? Yeah. And we, and we need the hope because that's what is going to fuel us. We're going to be uh, encountering hard times throughout our life. But one of the biggest things is that what, one of the biggest things that gets us through it is the hope of something that will come out positive or hope that we will be able to get through it. And for the majority of the time we will. And, you know, listeners, this is not to say that like whatever you're dealing with, like I think the weight of everything that we're dealing with is very real. Um, I think it's important for us to recognize that there is hope to recover um, and that we're not always at the, we, we don't necessarily have to be at the mercy um, of our age, of our circumstances. And I right. think that's one of the really cool things I, and I have over the past two years have come across the the concept of stoicism, right? To be able to see, you know, what can we do and we can change our response to it. We can't change the situation, but we can change our response, which I think is um, extremely uh, powerful. And Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, uh, Deborah, going through this transition, right? Like, you, you've had these changes. You realize that it wasn't as bad as you thought. And I think I answered this question, but what would you say like the biggest surprise throughout this transition um, was for you? It, it really, it really was. Um, I, I keep even to this day asking myself, you know, maybe I'm not having the same problems that other 50 year old women or 53 year old women are, you know, maybe, maybe this whole menopause journey, because that's actually the majority of my followers are perimenopausal or postmenopausal women and they're struggling big time with all the things that come along with that weight gain uh mood brain fog you name it and i thought well maybe i'm just not going through that stuff maybe I lo- i'm lucky and i dodged it maybe it's genetic which it is to some point but i know from all of my active friends who are in their 50s or beyond who've been through menopause that our level of activity the fact that we uh, continue to be curious about our bodies and what they what it can do the the fact that we continue to not be um, to not give up when a, a challenge comes our way and we we sort of dig into it and try and fix it um, is, is part of our uh, improved journey versus uh, other women um, so I think I think the biggest surprise to me is that it even though it feels like you don't have control over the process, you know, hormones, um, you don't have control over the process, you have control over the outcomes to some extent. You, you know, you cannot control your hormones really unless you start taking HRT. Um, you, you cannot always prevent injury, but you can manage the injury to then come back from it or you can manage your nutrition um your life other lifestyle habits you know cutting back on alcohol all of that stuff can improve your experience and your outcomes so that that was my big surprise is that how much control i actually have i i never realized that i had that much control over how things ended up in my life in regards to control i know that you looked at um i know that you brought up how you had this process of asking yourself these questions um you know what's the information what's happening right now what can i do about it um was this process something that you've practiced your entire life or was it something that you've acquired over the past couple of years tell us a little bit more about that yeah definitely not that was not me in definitely not in my teens and 20s um i was very much a you know poor me why is this happening to me I'm just going to sit back and I don't know what to do about it. Honestly, I think it was not until my 30s uh, doing Ironman. Um, I started doing triathlon earlier than that, but it was Ironman, which is a, a huge mental challenge uh, as well as physical that forced me to start thinking this way. When you're out there, uh, for me, my fastest Ironman time is low 11 hours. Um, you're out there for 11 hours. You have a lot of time to think and ruminate on life and the questions of life. Um, And and there are challenges being thrown at you almost every step of the way, but especially on that run, the the marathon at the end, you just wanna lay down and die pretty much the whole 26 miles. But you, you ask yourself, well, okay, so what is happening here? 
there has to be a reason I feel so terrible. And it's not because, you know, the race is harder for me than it is for other people. Everybody else is on the same race course. So maybe it's my nutrition. Maybe I didn't take enough gels in. Let's try that. Um, and so, you know, and, and the, this process happened during the training as well. So I think that's where it all started happening for me, where I started to realize I just need to question things a bit more, um, that things are fixable. Not every single thing is going to be fixable, but many, many, many things are fixable. Um, and, and you will get to a point that you're satisfied with. It may not be perfect, but you'll be satisfied with it. I love that being able to problem solve and like go through those problems scenarios in your head. Um, I think uh, sports and athletics is actually the perfect environment to to do that because it's in a relatively I like to, I like to call it a low stakes, right? Like you can't ask these. It's it's a little bit harder to ask these questions. Say if you're in the middle of say like uh, like a job meeting or like a, you know, business <laughs> meeting, everything like that. You can't really experiment much because like, there's a lot of other different factors. I find that in sports, fitness at like physical activity is one of the very few opportunities where it's a relatively safe space to try stuff out because you right. like, you're the person who's kind of getting the outcome and you can actually experience it in real time. And I learned the same thing uh, when I was uh, at swimming in, in university and college. Um, I remember people when I swam, I swam the mile and like longer distance and stuff. We have like three and a half, you know, long practices. And I remember points in time when people would be like, Ashley, you're such a tough guy, like going through these long endurance races. And I was, and I said, I'm actually not tough at all. I, during those races, I would say, this is painful. This is painful. This is painful. What can I do to make me finish this race faster, but with less pain, right? So it was my pain <laughs> to be able to say, okay, this is how I was able to get to finish the race. And so, yeah, I think um, athletics and physical activity, and that's one of the things I loved about CrossFit is like you had this opportunity to, uh, in a way, quantify um, your, your performance, your outcomes, but then also you're kind of in it being able to say, how can I do this? Do right. I need to try this, try this? And I think that's one of the greatest things about, say, having a coach when you're you know, you can absolutely do all this stuff on your own to be able to have someone there to say, like, walk you through, say, hey, change this, change that gives you the opportunity to have that, you know, third party perspective to kind of get you out of the head just for a moment. So you can get something that you might have might not have necessarily noticed um, when you're in the thick of it, trying things out. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, OK, so uh, you brought up some injuries, right? So let's talk about the yeah. injury part of it right so um i know that uh we'll we'll say like typical tissue healing time is around 12 weeks for the average human being it is a little bit shorter when you're younger so like kids will break their arms and then like say eight weeks are fully healed it's a little bit longer as we get um as we uh age so i think it was one of your social media posts i think you said that you might have dislocated your shoulder um <laughs> one is this your first injury and like during that recovery process like what were some of the things that you learned um as oh. compared to what it was like when we were you know younger oh goodness yes i dislocated my shoulder uh march of 2022 so a year and a half ago ah. um and then i think we're not 100 sure but i think i subluxed it again uh last april something definitely happened to it um uh, no surgery was recommended um, on consultation, um, but I, so I, I started working with my one-to-one -one CrossFit coach, who is a physio, by the way, um, 
shortly after dislocating my shoulder because I knew that I needed that as, as somebody in their 50s, um, somebody who actually doesn't know as much, very much about physiotherapy and, and athletic therapy. So um, our focus has been on building shoulder stability. Um, and the shoulder, as you know, is a ridiculously you know, unstable joint. So I, I learned through that whole process that A, I'm tougher than I thought I was. Um, B, that, you know, a serious injury, and this was my first serious injury. The only other serious event I've had is having a C-section for my twins. So, um, you know, serious injury can be overcome. You know, it is, it is not the end of everything that you uh, have been doing. Um, having said that, the third thing I learned is to be adaptable. Um, you know, I, I still struggle a bit with overhead work, especially in any sort of wide grip, snatch grip. Um, a lot of it's mental, according to my coach. Um, the fear of dislocation, again, is very real. Um, but, you know, those, those are the three main things that I've learned. Um, you know, you, you have to learn to be adaptable. Um, and I think that's what helps keep people moving forward if you are older and you you know your knees hurt or your back hurts a lot of people just kind of go well i can't do that i, I just i can't do squats anymore i can never do those again um and and my feeling is well how do you know first of all consult an expert who's used to working with athletes and second of all modify it scale it but give it a try you know i i scaled hugely uh i still am scaling on certain things um so i that that's my philosophy is to is to adapt scale and adapt but don't give up whatever you do just don't give up and that's one of the things i i learned as uh I began my professional career as a physical therapist in a CrossFit gym. And that was one of the things that really made me fall in love in CrossFit was the infinite scalability. There's opportunities to modify. And I think when you're working with a coach, even like particularly, especially on a one-to-one -one basis, is that you have the opportunity to get real-time modifications specifically for you. I can see how it can be quite intimidating when you're say nursing an injury and you're a class of 15 to 20 people, how you might not necessarily feel comfortable saying, Hey, can I have a modification? Just go through it. But yeah. um, I think whether if you're working with a coach or even uh, yeah, whether you're working with a coach or you're in a group class setting, the, the people who are there to help you are actually there to help you. So I think it's very important to be able to for sure say, Hey, my shoulders bothering, my knees are bothering me. What can I do to modify it? Um, right. It, it's extremely important. And um, I love your number one, how do you know that you can't do it? And number two, modify it. And made me think about um, one of the, the most common things that happen as we age is this um, is, is arthritis. It's the, they, the doctors like to call it normal wear and tear. I think that normal wear and tear is a little too aggressive. I like to say arthritis is kind of like wrinkles. Um, wrinkles, it's like a normal process that we develop over time. And because, and the reason why I say this, there's a ton of people who are going to have crazy arthritis, but they're not going to be in pain. And there are going to be people who, who maybe not necessarily have arthritis, but they're in a ton of pain. And so right. we have to ask, well, what's the, what's the difference? And one of the easiest things that we can say, it's like, oh, it's the arthritis that's causing uh, the pain. But what's really interesting is that when you're dealing with arthritis, 
movement is actually the best medicine for us to do that because it lubricates the joints, improves blood flow. And it might hurt for the first three to five repetitions because things are going to be stiff. And what's really interesting, I, I, I work with some folks who um, are on the, the, the 80 to 90 year old um, spectrum. And what's really interesting is that, let's say over the years with arthritis development, it, it, because it's painful to move, we're kind of incentivized to not move, right? Yes. Which yes. actually makes it our joints even stiffer, which makes it even more painful to move. So it ends up just being this vicious cycle. But if I was able to be there, you know, 10 to 15 years, maybe even 30 years before they, the, the accumulation of not moving, we might've been able to ex- reduce a lot of that pain by just simply saying, well, how do we know we can't do this? But then also number two, let's modify it to make it so it doesn't hurt as much. Or if it does- right. What can we do to make it feel better? So I'm uh, so glad you brought that up. This and this this goes to that that whole mindset that I find a lot. I get messaged this all the time, which is people using age as an excuse to just settle. That's the word I always like to use. Is they settle, and I get it. It's really hard. Like it's painful if you have really aching joints, but it's not impossible. And to your point, you know, if you do move more, it actually improves. Um, but but a lot of people will use their age. And there, there's a guy I follow on Instagram who I absolutely love. Um, you've probably seen him, the, the beard, you best you can be, beard, beard, the best you can be. He's a mobility expert. And he always says, it's not your age. It's the fact that you don't move. And, you know, I really believe in that. I think obviously there are aging um, things that come with aging, like arthritis, that 20 and 30-year-olds don't necessarily have to deal with. But I think a lot of people in certainly my age group and beyond kind of say, ah, well, it's just the age. There's nothing I can do about it. And there's nothing that frustrates me more than hearing those words. There's nothing I can do about it. Of course there is. Are you going to be the same as when you were 20? Maybe not. I'm better than when I was 20 in terms of my range of motion on a lot of things, my ability to lift heavy weight. I'm way better than I was in my 20s. But, you know, who cares if you're better than you were in your 20s let go of your ego and just be the best you know 50 year old you that you can be that's that's my feeling absolutely and i think with all the life experiences that we acquire over the years it allows us to really i think it allows us to like really appreciate a lot of the really um cool and amazing things like i think now i I, so um i live between uh napa and san francisco and um i know that now like i'm in my mid-30s i enjoy wine a lot more compared to when i was in my 20s right and so it's the same thing where at each stage in our life we're going to have various different priorities um we're also going to have various different interests right do i want to do another race absolutely not but would i enjoy (laughs) like hiking you know it's it's being able to look at where you're at now um, and, and what is, is fitting in your life. And so, Deborah, this has all been really helpful and insightful. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences with each of these decade transitions. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you're here. Let's talk about some of the action steps that people can take upon finishing this episode. Um, we have three different categories. So um, let's just say for the listeners who who want to get into, say, an active lifestyle, but are mm-hmm. nervous about getting started because of either their injuries or like, oh, no, I'm too old to try something out. What would, what would your recommendations for them be? I always start by telling people um, to walk if they can every day. 
Um, obviously, there are some people who maybe are, uh, you know, uh, not physically able, but most people are able to walk. And it doesn't matter if you're walking to the end of the block and back, but you do that every day. So the, the cornerstone of my coaching practice is on healthy habits, uh, building healthy habits. And habit is the key word. You, you have to do that every day make it a part of your daily routine. So that's what I would recommend people start with is the walking. Um, it's the easiest thing to do um, to incorporate daily, even one of those walking pads under your desk. If you're, if you're actually somebody fairly physically able, but you're kind of stuck at your desk all day, um, but nice to get outside, fresh air, sunlight, start walking. Um, and then I, um, well, aside from looking at their nutrition as well, um, that, that would be the next step is looking at the nutrition. But if you're talking about physical activity, there are some amazing um, body, uh, body weight moves that you can do that help your mobility um, as well as your actual strength. So um, one of my clients started with just walking every day and then she went to every two minutes, she would stop and do three air squats to whatever depth she could. Now, was her squat depth the same as mine? Would it be RX in a CrossFit gym? Maybe not, but she was doing a, a little squat every two minutes, three of them. And then slowly you start incorporating other basic body weight moves. Um, and then the other side of things, which actually I recommend at the same time as getting moving with the walking is the mobility routine every single day, because that's the number one complaint people always have um, that they put forward to me is I, everything hurts. I'm so stiff. My knees are terrible. I can't exercise because my knees are bad or I can't exercise because my back hurts. Well, okay. If you can't, do the walking or you can't do the, the squats, let's get you on some mobility routines. 15 minutes, twice a day if you can. And that would be the ideal place to start for somebody who's maybe not even there on the walking yet. Um, so that's the usual first couple of action steps. I mean, the, 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 the major part of my coaching is actually the nutrition side, macros, um, healthy, healthy nutrition. Um, which has a huge amount, a huge role to play in how you feel and how you move. So we try to do both things at once, but um, you know, those would be the action steps for the movement. It's huge, small action steps that we can follow on a daily basis. I think people get overwhelmed with all the things that they can do to, to make themselves better. And so um, exactly. to be able to do, you know, small things that are very doable. And I love that you said, you know, every two minutes do three squats, like very digestible, actionable things that people can follow versus like, oh, you got to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning and do this, <laughs> right. this. You know, that's that's a that's a challenge. Um, so this is a two-part question. Well, actually, no, I think this is the 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 second group of people is um folks who are dealing with like say nagging aches and pains and they're like they're still physically active, but then they're like, man, I really need to change stuff up but I don't know where to start for those folks who are also physically active. What would, what were your biggest action steps for them be? I can bet you, I can bet you anything. Any of these people will not be doing regular mobility. hundred percent of the time when people message me on Instagram, how do you do it? Oh my God, I'm so sore all the time or my knees hurt. I say, so what, what does your mobility routine look like? And there's like crickets, you know, silence at the other end. I'm not doing any. Well, there's your problem. Um, so that's the very first thing. I know I keep going on and on and on about mobility, but it was the single biggest game changer for me as an older athlete was taking away some of my junk volume 
and putting that time towards mobility work. Um, the second thing is nailing the fundamentals. Um, I call them the fundamentals, things like sleep, hydration, nutrition. Um, a lot of people will go and throw endless amounts of time and money at supplements and, you know, routines and, and the, the, all this stuff. And they, they don't address the fundamentals, which is, are you getting outside into the sunlight every day and walking? Are you drinking at the bare minimum, the good old eight, you know, eight glasses of water a day? It still, still works. Um, are you eating lots of good, colorful fruits and veggies, good lean protein, um, healthy complex carbs? And the answer is almost always, they're not doing any of those things. They have not focused on any of that. They're looking for what is the supplement that I can take or the pill that I can take, or what is the quick hack that I can take to make this go away. And there isn't really one that is a sustainable practice. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so um, mobility and fundamentals. Listeners, um, we talk a lot about mobility, um, taking care of your joints, your tissues in regards to like how it's actually useful uh, in in the human body. So mobility work is kind of like doing the daily maintenance that you need to do like when you are say, it's like taking care of your body. I like to use our bodies that like I like to look at our bodies like cars. Um, it's mm -hmm. like your oil, making sure that you're buckling your seatbelt and making sure you're turning your lights on. Like those are the things that you need to make sure that things are running well. And then the fundamentals, you can have a car that's running really well. The engines are doing really great. But if you're driving that car like a jerk, you're driving into the <laughs> wall, driving on the dividers, driving to the sidewalks, your your car is going to get beaten up. So the yeah. fundamentals is going to be making sure that you're driving within the lines of the road and your super fancy expensive supplements are kind of, they're going to be like bumper stickers or like new coats of paint on your car. So we need to make sure not only we're maintaining our car, but we also need to make sure that we're driving it responsibly. And so those are the, the big things. Um, Deborah, this has been so helpful. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm, I'm actually confident, very, very confident that the listeners are going to find a ton of value in today and so i know that you have a coaching practice you have a huge social media presence for people to get in touch with you because they found a ton of value and they want to speak more and say thank you for everything they've done also even want to work with you what's the best way to get in touch uh, honestly probably uh, via instagram if you have social media stronger without the e s-t-r-o-n-g-r underscore movement um there are dms there there's also though a my stand store links which do link to my website. So if, if you don't have social media, you can find me at stronger, S-T-R-O-N-G-R-R dot C-A, C-A for Canada. So you can uh, email me on that. Beautiful. And listeners, if you didn't get a chance to write that down, I'm actually going to put all the links in the show notes so you can reach out to Deborah. Deborah, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Ashley. That was a super fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.